Hello and welcome to the Clinical Audit and Improvement Podcast from AMAT, the audit management and tracking tool which is developed in partnership with our users. My name is Tom Coleman and in this episode I'm going to be learning about how clinical audit influences the diagnosis of prostate cancer. And with me to do this today are two urology registrars from Kettering General Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust. Uh, Mr. Ogun Fasika Olesu Harold received his surgical training at the University of Medical Sciences in Nigeria before relocating to the UK. He's a member of the Royal College of Surgeons and has presented multiple urology audits and quality improvement projects, both nationally and internationally. And Mr. Tagalseer Saeed graduated in 2005 for Omdurham Islamic University and moved to the UK in 2014. And he now works at a, as, also as a urology registrar at Kettering General Hospital. So, thank you for joining me here today. So let's start with you, Olu. I was, I'm going to tell you a quick story uh, about my dad back in the 90s when I was in my 20s. And right. he had problems with his prostate, which and he was incredible discomfort. But the one thing, talking to you here today and preparing for this, that strikes me as as kind of strange given my age at the time was that I didn't have a clue back then what a prostate even was so that was my first introduction to to kind of uh, the prostate gland and also the problems it has uh, it can have um, for us for, for men so my question to you is first why do we need to talk about prostate cancer uh, thanks thanks Tom thanks for the uh, introduction and uh, just as you rightly said, that uh, you had a similar experience with the prostate when you were younger, as if you had a family member. But at that time, you had no clue. And uh, I tell you, uh, so many people, even of uh, advanced age, they still don't have a clue what the prostate is all about. So uh, the prostate itself uh, is a, a structure that is present in male subjects. Uh, not only male, so it's, a, it's a structure that is also present in the uh, trans women uh, in non-binary people uh, who were initially assigned uh, male at birth and also some inter intersex people. So yeah. this particular structure normally helps with uh, the production of semen and also nourishment of semen. Uh, um, so cancers do develop from the prostate. Unfortunately, uh, prostate cancer, it's, it's the commonest uh, cause of cancer that we see in, uh, in men. And hence, uh, one needs to discuss uh, a lot about uh, what happens if somebody suspects prostate cancer. Unfortunately, most of uh, the people that we have prostate cancer, they're completely asymptomatic. Then, so how, how do you talk about something when there's no symptom? How do you right. sensitize people when they have, they're perfectly normal? And also... Um, uh, males generally, uh, they are economically viable and uh, really we see a doctor. So the only thing that we uh, tend to push people or male subjects towards uh, going for a check is if they have symptoms. And what symptoms am I talking about? Maybe they have problems in their urine. They struggle with passing urine or they wake up multiple times at night and things like that. And as you rightly said, Tom, you mentioned uh, when you were younger, your dad had this condition that was painful. So that will naturally dra drive people to their GPs, to their doctors to have things checked. Otherwise, nothing else. There is nothing that will nudge an individual towards going for a check. And mm -hmm. so it's very important that uh, once you 
every male subject above the age of 45, even younger ones, just like you said, you were 20 when you had something similar, but nobody told you about these things. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so every male subject should be aware of these things. First, it's, it's a leading cause of cancer, you know, in male. And also, it's completely, the vast majority, we have no symptoms at all. So uh, it becomes very important that we, we should do a lot of advocacy in this regard. There should be sensitization of male subject. Um, uh, that's why this is very important. This topic is very important. Uh, what do you think, Taj? Uh, yeah, all right. I think I can, I can take over from what, what you said. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, 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 it's a major problem. It's a real health problem. And, and I think if we look into the, um, 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 the screening um, uh, the, the the old um, uh, the the WHO screening uh, for diseases. I mean, uh, I think I think um, uh, prostate cancer um, fulfill a lot of the criteria f- to be um, um, a disease that we need to uh, screen for. Um, I mean, um, 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 as you know, the um, it's uh, the, the the prostate cancer itself is 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 important health problem. It's uh, we know the natural history of the prostate cancer, and also we have the tool to um, detect it at uh, early stage. Uh, I think the problem with the prostate cancer is is uh, when it comes to screening. Uh, still, we don't have um, um, a good uh, test. Uh, we we use BSA now, but um, but it's not it's not very. Specific and, and and sensitive. What's what's that touched BSA? Yeah, so the BSA is basically the uh, blood test. Uh, it's called prostate specific ah. antigen, and uh, it's uh, it's a chemical that um, prostate secrete uh, in the blood. It's specific to the prostate, but not specific to prostate cancer. So it can be high due to infection if a man had the infection or uh, even after ejaculation, or uh, or more commonly, I mean, we know everyone when gets get older, uh, the prostate gets bigger, and it will make uh, more BSA. <clears throat> so that's the, <clears throat> the problem with BSA. Uh, if a man had high BSA, uh, we, can, we can't tell, is it due to prostate cancer or uh, due to the other reasons? Uh, so, so that's why we need some more uh, tests to help um, uh, stratifying the uh, patient. Right. So, how is uh, prostate cancer different from other forms of cancer then? Uh, so, the, the the problem with the uh, prostate cancer it's it's a broad spectrum cancer. Uh, it's it's uh, there are some studies. Um, uh, it says like. Um, for people, for example, in their 80, if you do random biopsy on 10 people in their 80, eight of them, they may have uh, cancer, prostate cancer. So it's, it's a very common cancer. But wow. most of these cancers are, are low grade. And we know that most likely they will not cause any um, harm. But a small percentage of these cancers um, uh, are the ones that can cause a problem. And, and this one we want to find out. And is there a, a national screening program for this? Is, is this something that's done across the country at all, Alu? At all? Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, uh, just like uh, Todd just said, just uh, let me chip in something uh, just on the basis sure. of the first question you asked earlier uh, before I come to the uh, this particular screening program. Uh, I'm, I'm sure many people will want to know, is there any particular symptom? I, if I have it, we can say this is prostate cancer. The answer is no. I mean, I give an example. Some other types of cancers, like uh, in breast cancer or in bowel cancer, uh, they can say, well, I think there is some, my tummy has gone bigger or uh, when I pass some, uh, when I go for motion, I see some blood. Or there is a physical lump. But in this particular condition, there is none. There's no particular symptom that you can say this is specific or for prostate cancer. So um, uh, now to come back to the screening, uh, national screening uh, system. Uh, unfortunately, there's no agreed national screening system at the moment. And it's not only in the United Kingdom, it doesn't exist anywhere else. So we mentioned PSA uh, earlier, uh, prostate-specific yeah. antigen. But unfortunately, this comes from the prostate, but it's not specific to prostate cancer. If there is uh, a rise in this particular PSA, uh, it could mean a number of things, just like my colleague has said, ranging from benign causes to cancer. So, hence, how do we differentiate? How do we say uh, this is definitely prostate cancer? So, the screening, what is advised at the moment is uh, the vast majority of people that uh, are, that come for, that we suspect come from, for the uh, prostate cancer, they come from, from screening with the PSA. Or they say, well, I've gone to the doctor because I have erectile dysfunction, and then the, patient, the GP says, well, uh, maybe we should do this test for you. Then we notice that the PSA is high, then we send. So other things that is encouraged at this time, that nothing is not considered as national screening, but for men above the age of 45, 50, then those people like that, uh, they can get a one-off check with the GP, uh, that's, which includes checking the PSA and things like um, checking the back passage. Uh, checking the back passage is of utmost importance because uh, the, in the arrangement of the prostate, uh, it's got uh, like um, the back of the prostate can easily be felt when somebody touches the back passage. And yeah. that can give you an idea of, uh, of how the prostate is just by checking that. So that's what we have at the moment. Uh, that's what the doctors can do and the screening and also the what they call the direct examination. And if there's any abnormality on any one of these, and uh, then uh, referral is made to us. Unfortunately, there is no standard uh, national uh, screening uh, system at the moment. And it still, I guess, comes down to education within males of, of, of all age uh, and... and um male identifying of all age that this is a problem that as i say i i had no no idea about at all back in my 20s um so i wouldn't have ever thought if if my dad hadn't gone through that i wouldn't have ever thought to raise it i'd have just lived with discomfort uh like like we do with so many kind of things that's that's really interesting that Olu. so moving on to audit uh, a little bit presumably You've run kind of quality improvement and audits uh, at uh, uh, KGH, KGH, and so what are the findings there? What have you what have you been discovering? Um, so during the pandemic, the way we normally see patients, there was a bit of a drift, and I'm sure maybe you heard of things like this now uh, yeah. in this era. There's telephone consultation, 
and it's become uh, there's remote uh, consultation which has now become like uh, foremost in uh, many types of uh, uh, health es establishment now so during that time um, we looked at the information we have had from the GP at that time during the height of the pandemic when a patient is referred and uh, suspected uh, prostate cancer pathway uh, so before now we have what we call like two-week pathway or the urgent referral or routine referral then when this is made uh, and we get the uh, report then we, tr we make an arrangement to contact the patient usually uh, this used to be face-to-face face-to-face uh, -face consultation uh, where we uh, we can schedule that for the next maybe one week or two weeks. We see them, we examine. Uh, at that time, we take all the necessary history, blood, medication, and things like that. And we send these individuals for different tests. And then we wait for the outcome of the test before we go on to the next thing and to know if we're going to take a biopsy. When we had a look at this period, uh, so some people's time could be prolonged significantly. We could look at uh, people... Uh, in the process of the going for the investigation and the biopsy, it could take up to weeks and even months. Uh, for example, somebody could fall ill or he's got, he's got an holiday. They say, well, I need to go for this holiday. Then he goes. Then he misses his appointment. Then we don't get to see him. So, mm -hmm. so we looked at all these, all these particular referral uh, for each individual for uh, over a couple of some months. And we thought to devise another way and now that we do have the we have the uh, um, the benefit of having the telephone uh, uh, consultation, so we felt like we could do more like a, a triage system on the phone, in the sense that as soon as we get the report, there are certain things we need to ask people that we suspect with prostate cancer, and uh, we need to be sure. Uh, if they do not have those contraindications for us to proceed with uh, for that testing. And I tell you, though, one of those things we normally do is an MRI, magnetic resonance imaging. Yeah. And that is the gold standard for uh, diagnosing a lot of things in prostate cancer. So we get the information ourselves. We ring them. We triage. On that day, we can, we can schedule them for when to come for the appointment, uh, when to come for your, uh, what do you call it, come for the MRI. And some people also have some ongoing uh, symptoms. Maybe they have problem passing water, voiding, or storage system in the bladder. At that instance, we also take all this history and we, and we, and we put in place uh, a mechanism to investigate them at one sitting. So we found out that doing that, instead of waiting for the traditional two-week wait or the uh, urgent referral that lasts weeks or months, we can do this within, if we get a referral, within four, four days, five days, a week, we get a referral, we can sort this patient out within a very short time. So we're mm -hmm. able to close that gap of people, uh, patients waiting uh, for treatment or waiting for biopsy or waiting for uh, investigation. So that's what we do. Uh, the, we introduce the rapid pathway. That's the prostate rapid pathway. And that's what we do at this time. And we have um, uh, specialist nurses that do the triaging system. And I tell you, it's excellent system in the sense that once we identify those uh, we need for the investigation with our MRI, within a short time, I mean days, we review the MRI 
and we have an excellent reporting system. We don't need to wait for a long time. We've, uh, we have like dedicated people that report our MRI. We get the result and we can uh, plan what to do from there, either for a biopsy or reassure the patient. And then next time the patient hears from us is possibly to reassure or to proceed for a biopsy. So we're able to shorten this, this waiting period of uh, months and weeks to, to days, you know. So that's what uh, was the outcome of our audit, and we've been working and this, on. Presumably, yeah. Given given the fact that the pandemic's obviously a very recent uh, um, occurrence, really, over the past two years. So this is quite a rapid um, improvement to to the way you operate at um, Kettering. Is this something that's going national? Do, do, are you aware of? other trusts that are doing this kind of same process yeah so at the moment uh, i'm not aware of uh, um, other other departments that do it but i think uh, the major centers each one of them also they've also tried to devise a a similar system to shorten the waiting uh, waiting time and uh, at about the same time um we also reviewed other system you mentioned immaturia earlier so yeah. uh, and i would just mention this briefly the one-stop, one-stop, immaterial one-stop has become a system that's maybe all over the country now. And yeah, that, This and, is what we heard um, in, in our last podcast, actually, about the, the hematuria one-stop clinic. So, so yeah, that this is interesting. Go on. That's right, because I also I heard that particular podcast too. So I reckon the pathway now, because we, present, we presented this, uh, our system went and uh, presented this uh, both regionally and I think is in place now because uh, when we gave the evidence, uh, we can see that it's shorting uh, the waiting time for people. And I'm aware that our specialist nurses were in Birmingham to talk about this at different times. So I, I suppose uh, this is uh, ongoing regionally. Yes. Fantastic. Um, so do you, what kind of support do you get uh, from the clinical audit teams? Do you get support from them to, to help you sort of analyse this kind of data that's coming in, to help you tweak your, your programme at all? Or is it down entirely to you and your kind of specialist nurses? Yeah, so um, at the moment, because uh, most of the things that are done in the uh, urology department, you need to like standardize it compared to uh, what other people are doing. So there is a system in place uh, that also standardizes uh, practice and uh, things like that. So um, I'm aware we, we've been in touch with uh, uh, teams around uh, in Nottingham, in Birmingham. And I think uh, at the moment, I think we are at, what we do at the Catherine General Hospital is at par with what is done anywhere else in England, to the best of my knowledge. Wow, that's impressive, that. Um, so what's considered the current gold standard for this? Uh, I think uh, now now we are, um, um, uh, like it's a two-day two, two process, you could say, because um, um, the first day patient comes for... Uh, for, for I mean, like the telephone consultation to get his history and uh, uh, check his PSA level, um, and then and then we book him for MRI, uh, and then as Ola mentioned, next step will be to uh, review the MRI and and then uh, offer him date for biopsy if it if it's needed. Uh, I think maybe moving forward, um, and this is what we're trying to uh, implement is 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 to make one stop um, um, uh, uh, like. A prostate cancer assessment clinic 
uh, where patient comes and we take the history, medication, all his clinical information. He gets his MRI um, um, at the same day. We get the report at the same day. Uh, and then and then we tell him the results and if biopsy is needed we, we go ahead with that uh, however however i think compared to hematuria one stop clinic uh, this may be a bit challenging because um, um, in hematuria one stop clinic the imaging is is the uh, ultrasound scan which is uh, quicker to to do um, doesn't require a radiologist to be there. I mean, like the uh, the, the the consultant uh, doctor who look after imaging, uh, it can be done by the uh, technician sonographer. Uh, the problem with MRI it's quite uh, sophisticated um, scan, and uh, there are only few. I mean, like in KGH in Catherine, there are only two consultants who can report MRI. Uh, so I think that will be the main main issue if we try to do uh, one stop for prostate um, um, uh, cancer. Uh, prostate cancer. Uh, I think that will be the main issue is is the uh, MRI and get the MRI reported on the uh, same day. And is there any is there any kind of movements on the horizon to that that will change or will it? Are we, is is MRI the absolutely only solution to this? Yeah, I can come into that, uh, 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 Tom. So the thing is that uh, the MRI tells you a lot. The MRI is able to say categorically, despite the PSA being high, I think there is no cancer here. Rest assured. So that means ultimately, this particular MRI is what is going to determine a lot of factors, not the uh, PSA, not the uh, digital rectal examination. But how do you make this for everyone? Yes. It is uh, quite expensive uh, and also, uh, just like Taja said, the learning curve for, to, for radiologists to report it is a bit higher uh, than normal. And also, we need a lot of uh, professionals and experts in this, uh, this regard. Then how do you do an MRI and get it reported within a short time? It's very difficult. Unlike the other uh, site of modality, like an ultrasound, where which one uh, which is used for the one stop, you can get it done. You can do it right there, and you say, "Well, I think this is fine. Nothing to worry about." And I put my report. But the MRI, you need to be. It's a bit detailed. So uh, the gold standard definitely uh, is the MRI. It will tell you what to do and what not to do. So. Um, and other things, because you said things about movement, there have been quite a number of studies. In fact, there is a recent study, re, uh, Reimagine, that's a, that's a new study, it's still ongoing, and in which they try to recruit many people, even those with normal PSA, even some people with normal PSA, and uh, you have, uh, uh, and the MRI is done, and this has shown to have treatable prostate cancer. So, hence, it's, that's why the PSA is, is not reliable and the MRI becomes gold standard. But uh, there's no consensus yet anywhere in the world to have this as a screening modality. What will have been the best option? We be, which I reckon in some years, might be maybe every male subject about the age of 50 should have a, a MRI of the prostate and pelvis. That, I think, is where we'll be going in a couple of years from now. But that is, we don't have that at the moment. And also, other things about um, that you said about any kind of uh, uh, any kind of movement that is ongoing is that we need to identify those people that we think will have uh, potential prostate cancer. Uh, I mean, uh, some people on uh, the basis of ethnicity, 
strong family history and uh, other things that people are trying to do is maybe genetic genetic testing because it's been found that there are some kind of jam lines that is associated with this prostate cancer perhaps if we can see that or or individual maybe with a family member or a brother or father with prostate cancer and at what age it was diagnosed perhaps this can be uh, incorporated early and one could go for for testing and i think that is where the future will be the future will lie on uh, this uh uh, jam line mutations, uh, trying to identify them early and a bit of a risk stratification. And uh, we can say if an individual, the father had prostate cancer at the age of 50. So maybe we will not wait for 50 before we start investigating such an individual. We might say maybe 40. So I believe this is where uh, the world will be going to and more research should come from this in the future. And the more we do audit, the more we do this research, we'll be able to eventually formulate uh, like a national screening program and also detect those that we potentially have uh, metastatic or severe prostate cancer in the future with uh, genetic testing. What do you think, Taj? Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you all the way. I think yeah, the solution either to get um, 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 more resources, more people to be able to read and report MRI for you on the same day, and then you can you can run the surface quicker. Um, um, however, as you said, I mean, I think they're, 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 the main problem, I think, it's the uh, PSA. PSA is not is not good enough um, uh, to function as as a screening tool uh, yet. Uh, so I think there's a lot of research, as you said, like there are some uh, genetic screening uh, studies and there are some other uh, groups working on other markers rather than PSA, like uh, markers in urine, some other markers in blood uh, to try to, 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 um, um, to, to, to make them as a as, as, as better screening tool. Because, as I said, like PSA, you can't rely on PSA. You can't rely on your uh, uh, rectal examination. Uh, so usually we end up with uh, MRI to answer the question, does this patient has high risk for prostate cancer? And then we offer him biopsy. So I think, yeah, there, there, there is a lot of research need to be done to find uh, a better marker. And I think uh, there are a few studies. They, they, they are promising, but still still weak. They're not being validated for, for clinical use. And, I, and I'm struck by, I suppose, one of the key things that's, that underlies everything then, again, going back to my experience, is is to get the education out there to for, for people to, to come forward and to go to their GP when any discomfort or problems sort of arise and to, and to be aware of that this is a, this is a big issue um, for, for us. So that's, that's interesting, yeah. Uh, if you could change one thing then about the, uh, the last uh, point here, I think, if you could change one thing that the way things are done now or maybe your hope for the future or whatever, what would it be? Olu, do you want to start us off with this? Well, uh, for me, if I could change one thing, would be to get a national screening program in place yeah. as soon as possible. Because um, uh, I can give an example. If you have a mail, a mail uh, uh, in your in your your front door, it says that you've been invited to the GP to participate in this test. You need to give some urine. I think many people they don't mind it. They will do it. Or if they have a letter that says you should do this, they they they, they will do it. So. 
the lack of that screening system in place is one thing that is, is a big problem. So because there is no national screening in place, then that is a big problem. Until we have that in place, then we can be looking at realistic, realistically uh, reducing uh, the, uh, the, 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 the burden of the disease and uh, reduce uh, severe disease in, uh, in, uh, in men. And I tell you, uh, for example, every year we have maybe over uh, 52,000 people being diagnosed with this. Wow. Every year. And uh, at least uh, maybe over 12,000 mortality recorded every year. And some of them with very severe diseases. Uh, this normally, uh, if we compare this to what we have in some other parts of the world, like in America and things like that, ours is slightly higher than what they have there. So, um, I think if we are able to sensitize people, uh, put the word early, as you have said, and for me, uh, put a screening uh, program in place, which I suspect will be that of an MRI. Uh, though that, nothing has been agreed on that, but maybe if something comes up, like uh, some form of genetic testing or, or some other things that we can use to identify other than the PSA, as it is now, I think we might be heading towards an MRI. If it becomes uh, like a national screening tool, that will solve a lot of problems and we can pick these diseases at a early stage. And not only that, when we pick it at an early stage, we, are, we can achieve a cure. I'm talking about 99.9% cure. If you pick oh. a, something uh, at early stage, complete cure. So I think that was, if there's uh, one thing I'll be looking forward to, that it will be that. Taj, what about you? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I think maybe for me, if 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 I get the chance uh, to improve things, I think it will be just maybe some some better marker than PSA, uh, because uh, right now, I mean, most of the people they get what like uh, opportunistic sort of screening. They go to their GB because they have some like uh, uh, problem with their water work, or they have some blood in the urine, and then. And then they get offered um, uh, PSA, and as we said, PSA is not is not um, uh, good enough uh, test. Uh, this this on one side. Uh, on the other side, I mean, um, um, uh, I think the problem with implementing any uh, national screening at this stage, and we don't have the uh, right tool. I think it will be a bit of uh, problematic because. If you look back into, uh, I think, 1960, when, when PSA was first uh, discovered in the U.S., that led to all the uh, uh, sorry, the um, uh, men in in United States uh, to be to be screened uh, with PSA, and and obviously uh, it it ends up with very large uh, people diagnosed with prostate cancer. So that led to significant increase in the prostate cancer uh, prevalence at that time in 1960. And a lot of the, these people end up with um, um, radical sort of treatment like surgery or radiotherapy with all possible um, uh, potential side effects. Uh, so when people came back and reviewed what happened at that time, they found that a lot of these people, they had uh, low-grade cancer that at at that uh, I mean, low-grade cancer that right now we don't uh, offer them uh, treatment. We put them in what we call uh, active surveillance, which means just to monitor the cancer because we know this very low-grade cancer, uh, very unlikely that it will cause a uh, uh, problem. Uh, 
so uh, I think this is the main main issue with the um, with the screening that in prostate cancer specifically that if you uh, diagnose more people, you may end up treat a lot of people who who really doesn't need um, uh, treatment. Right. Yeah. So so it's 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 a difficult. Um, uh, uh, I think it's a difficult uh, uh, topic or controversial. Yeah, topic. It sounds yeah more complex than it seems yeah. on the surface. Yeah, yeah and that's why well, there's no uh, national sort of screening program in any country. Right. Um, well, that's been absolutely informative, more so than than uh, I anticipated. As a as I said, I. Uh, I thought my awareness was now high, but you now it's even higher. So thank you for that. Thanks for, for educating me on that. And uh, and I think that's all we've got time for today. But if anybody's listening out here and wants to join on a future episode, then you can email me, podcast at amat.co.uk. It's a platform this for anybody involved in clinical audit to come and talk about the things that interest you and tell me your challenges and the things you're doing to, to solve those challenges day to day. And subscribe and share wherever you can. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And thanks to my guests, Solu and Taj. Been fantastic. Wonderful. Thank you.